what's on your minds when it comes to improving the podcast? Well, as I've been listening to them, I think the early ones, it didn't build a concise... Welcome to the Hey Good Game podcast, where we chat with the creators of your favorite games that you secretly play in the cracks of your day. All right. We've got the crew here. We've got Joseph, Nate, and myself, Aaron. We're 11 episodes in now, at least that have been released. We may have a few more in the can before this gets released. But I think it's a good time for us to look back and just see some of our progress along the way so far. So, Nate, what stands out to you in terms of these first episodes in this little podcast journey that we've got? This has been such a fun time. The first podcast was released December 1st, 2023. And I think the most interesting thing has been how many people have been at this for so long. You know, we've got like Jim of Crazy Dad, I believe, Robert of Ken Ken, Trifon of Chess World, Alex of the Wiki Game, decade plus each into their games. And that's just been like so fascinating to see like, I don't know, it just seems like they had a lot to say too. You know, like it's, they don't get to talk about this in depth every day. So it feels like these conversations have been really special. Yeah, the energy, Trifon and his brother. Yeah. I know we pre-cut that in the episode. But Aaron and I jumped on. It was like just spinning a top. They were so excited. And you could hear them just giggling in the background about the joy they have for games. That has come up in all of the episodes. There's this passion and excitement and joy in talking about the game that I think people have when playing games. You know, it's both sides of the book. It's the front cover and the back cover. We're not even reading the book and we're excited about it. Yeah. And I think some of that excitement shows up, you know, just to give you guys a little bit of behind the scenes. We do a lot of outreach to these game creators to see if they want to come on our podcast. I've got a long list of game creators I've, I've worked to assemble over time. And I was a lot of times on cold outreach. You hope that like maybe you'll get a 5% response rate would be awesome. And in a lot of the first batch of emails that I sent out, and granted, these were pretty targeted emails and personalized and whatever, but 38% response rate. I was just shocked by how many people are engaging in responses. And not all of those have turned into podcast conversations, but I think there's just a lot of excitement out there of, cool, you want to talk about games? Let's do that. Yeah. Well, there was a little bit of back and forth on our side, like, should we do a podcast? And a little bird on my shoulder that might be named Gary V, where he's like, you want to make change in the world? Make a podcast. And I was like, well, okay. And when those first emails started coming back with that high response rate, it was like, oh, right. <laughs> if you're a practitioner and you start saying, hey, this works, it might work. And that's what we experienced here. It's been so lovely to meet a very wide breadth of persons by simply showing interest in what they're working on. So Aaron, who is on that list? I think sometimes you just need to, to find a way to manifest the guests onto the show. Who's at the top <laughs> that we need to uh, manifest into our 
into our little show here. If anybody knows Josh Wardle, I would really just love to hear his story. I'll say like, I actually just listened to two podcast episodes of his. I think he's only been on two according to my podcast app. And so I've got a little bit of his story, but there's a lot of other questions I'd love to just ask him about his journey and sail to the New York Times and also why he never answered my emails before. But that would be a good one. So for those who don't know Josh Wardle, probably know him better by his game. Yes. Josh Wardle, creator of Wordle. If you paid attention to the news around the time that Wordle really took off, that New York Times eventually stepped in and, and bought Wordle. Yeah, I, I don't want to steal his story, but it's kind of a very cool story about how he made the game for his partner as kind of an act of love. And then it turned into this worldwide phenomenon and kind of the, the biggest game out there. It's uh, just be cool to, to dive into a lot more things around that. We'll have to save some of that for another, another pod. But yeah, Joseph, do you have a favorite guest that stands out to you? Well, my dream guest would be Jane McGonigal, who wrote this book, Reality is Broken. I mean, that was 2011. And I read it among a bunch of others at the time. And then we returned to it when we stopped our crypto NFT pathway and decided to build and buy more games, which is an our fun story ourselves. But I really enjoyed the conversation with Robert and Ken Ken. It was one of the early episodes. Episode five. Maybe it was for just passion. And it was an observation to your point that you were making, Nate, that many folks are decades in. And that's true for Robert. And I found it fascinating the number of stories he could recall with joy. And they're all interesting. So I really enjoyed that process. But I certainly didn't think that I would be on any kind of connection with the second ranked Scrabble player in the world or the 2000 plus ranked chess player in the world or that have those have been themes for us. We have these opportunities to talk with what are masters in gaming. And I found it really exciting to start thinking through the implications, kind of the undercurrents between all of these conversations right now. So those are some highlights for me. And the connections between guests, we're almost introduced to this whole new world where these other creators know chessworld.net has stories of Ken Ken. And it's just these relationships that you kind of figure out. It's actually, uh, in some ways, it feels like a small net community with a lot of these games. Yeah, totally. That kind of reminds me of something that Jim said, which was really, we're in this industry, you could view some of these people we're talking to as competitors at, at times, but Jim really made the point of like, reach out. It's a small community. And I think if you've got limited mindset, you do see everybody as competition, but I think there's so much opportunity to learn from one another. And, you know, just as there's more interest in the space, I think it benefits everybody. On the flip side, you know, there's someone like Abe Train of Trainwreck Labs, and he was episode seven, and his first game was a utter hit. Like he just came out with a game called Global and just takes off. And the same thing with 
uh, Nalanth of Sinanero, which I believe was episode four, comes out and just cranks out this game and just takes off. And it's just fascinating to see how it changed their lives. You know, they're both doing these things full time now because of a game that just they did in their downtime. You know? Not only that, you alluded to it, but they were not developers before. And, you know, anybody who can like right. create something and have the first one be a hit and oh by the way i just learned how to program that's pretty cool makes me wish like i had i stuck to coding for like you know six weeks at a time or something like that it could last about maybe one and a half weeks and never got far enough you know nate i did teach a class at one point that you attended and uh was the best instructor ever at <laughs> how, to, how to teach somebody to do ios development had your shot, buddy. Was that a one-day event? Because <laughs> I think I only attended one day. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it lasted maybe four more. <laughs> You're five weeks shy of a hit game. It was a two-day event. I can't remember if you came for the second day. I think I was there 50% of that at <laughs> that time, which is not that bad. <laughs> Joseph came too, I believe. I think it was there for half. Yeah. <laughs> In my defense, it, it was a class for developers to learn how to develop on iOS. So, someday. It was great. And I only went for part of the time because I'm not a developer. However, I recall it was uh, the chess conversation where they were talking about using GPT to quickly solve and or make new features on chessworld.net. They're like, wait, it was like on the call. I think it's really interesting to see the opportunities we're creating for people making these games to reflect on making the games, right? So you're hosting these conversations, probably something you might dream of over a beer or something in a pub where you're telling somebody about this game that you're making. But in the process, it's also creating space for them to evaluate the gaming function through a different lens. And there's been a couple times where they've observed something, right? Like, well, wait, maybe I could, oh, we should use GPT to make the game better this year, was what came up there. That part of the conversational approach has been fantastic. And I don't know if we've had an episode where we haven't talked about AI, which is awesome. It's like the, uh, it's the NFT that we didn't know we were going to get. Well, it's not released yet, but episode 12 will be with Lil Snack and how they use AI to... Uh, they don't consider themselves an AI company, but rather how they use AI to become extremely fast, launching four games every day. And they've done that for 165 days straight, probably 175 now, but <laughs> it's wild what they do with AI. That's so great. All right, everyone, quick break. Attention game creators, have you ever thought about selling your game? At Hey Good Game, we're looking to acquire and steward some of the most popular and beloved games on the internet. Even if you're just curious, we offer a fast process to getting you an offer. Just provide some basic analytics and revenue details, and we'll quickly get back to you. If you move forward with us, we usually close within 14 days. Visit hey.gg and see how we can take your game to the next level together. And now, back to the show. Aaron, I'm recalling a conversation we recently had about more launching to do. I think we should just set up those rockets, like those Estes rockets in the in the park and just launch yeah. games. Just fire away. 
that speed to launch in the little snack conversation was super inspiring. And I think for somebody that always wants to move faster, it made me see that there's another level to that available. You know, another through line, and I'm, I'm probably always the annoying guy on every single one of these calls that really wants to dive into the, the business side. I was going to get you a t-shirt. <laughs> Have you put ads on it yet? Where's the money? How much? Have you put ads um, on it yet? <laughs> well, ads is controversial. It's like flipping a coin whether you're going to like it or oh, not. Oh, totally. But I was just going to have, I want to see your metrics. Yeah. I want to be the uh, Sam Parr of the Hey Good Game podcast. <laughs> Always. How much is this really making? It's a hat you carry well. <laughs> He's way better looking than I am, but what are you going to do? The interesting thing in those conversations, though, is I would kind of segment it into, I think we've actually heard a few different takes on this. We do have people who are totally just doing this for fun, zero intent to monetize. We've got people who maybe had an initial aversion to ads and then figured out, oh, I could put some ads on this and make some money. Probably had a few people that have been all about the business from the beginning and most have, have taken the ad approach, but, you know, I also think of like, there's, who am I missing? But, you know, when we talked to Alex at the wiki game, like he's, he's charging for his app. We talked to Sven at Sudoku pad. He's charging for his app. We do have a few that maybe haven't adopted ads, but they have paid apps. I don't know. Other than me, I was membership at chess. Yeah. I don't know. What what do you guys take away on all these different takes on business models other than me being the persistent guy that's always asking about it? I think Holger's perspective was the most candid and refreshing. Like, yeah, ads, they suck. But when I take them off, you won't pay me. So you get ads. <laughs> it wasn't that forward, but it was refreshingly European. And here's how it is, guys. Yeah, so pragmatic. I found that to be awesome. Yeah, I was like, yeah, great. And so if you're going to have ads, like keep them out of view, make them as good as possible, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the dynamic. That's one view. The other view is as principled and confident, ads suck and I'm never going to run them. It is a flip of the coin. And if you're going to pick one or the other, just do that, that approach really well. It seems like that's the way forward in games isn't one way. It's one of these two ways. One thing I've found... There's a couple of people who have seemed like they do experiment from episode two, online-solitaire.com. Trying to plug as many games as I can during this uh, podcast. But uh, most people have an initial idea of what they think about ads. And if they've been at this long enough, it feels like a lot of them have just been kind of like set in that, that initial state and haven't really experimented a whole lot. And the game's been running for a long time without a lot of day-to-day -day kind of getting my hands dirty with it. And it was curious to hear, I believe it was Jim of Crazy Dad, to kind of like, you know what? I haven't really thought about this in a long time. Like maybe ads are being served better now than they used to be or something like that. Or, you know, you make less money now than it used to be, but he hasn't really revisited that. And I think that was interesting to me just with some of these long-term games, like how that hasn't changed. Like, you know, they haven't really like played around with it as much outside of like someone like Abe Train, who's like, I'm just throwing ads up there from day one and I'm giving people an option to remove them and that's okay. 
that they can pay me if they don't want ads. And I think that that option is really important for some of these creators to kind of be okay with having ads in the first place. Yeah. And there was another business model I missed there that Jim had moved from an ad model at first to only a donation model. And I didn't ask him how much he's making from that. And it he does have a day job. I get the impression that it's a lot more than I would have otherwise imagined on a pure donation basis. So just yet another example, there are multiple ways to approach this. One of the things that stood out to me from all of the guests, some of the serendipity that happens from just creating something and pushing it out into the world. But even before that, Toby Mao of 18xx Games, episode three, he learned Rubik's Cube, became world champion, and ended up teaching Will Smith how to do the Rubik's Cube in the back of a car. Just amazing. On the movie set of The Pursuit of Happiness, just incredible. And gaming also led him to meet his wife at a tournament. And just kind of wild, like how these have really advanced the careers of some of these people. I think even Alex, you know, of, of the wiki game, you know, has his little link at the bottom and he's, he's gotten freelance independent work from just having something out there that's, you know, become very popular. Well, I think there's a stereotype of, oh, developers are geeks and nerdy and boring and whatever. And like, I think if there's one consistent theme from uh, all these episodes so far is a lot of these people have rich, diverse interests and lifestyles. And it's it's just been cool to hear the the whole picture well beyond anything that they've developed game-wise. So I think we've all really appreciated that. Yes, there is a a very diverse set of creators, but why are so many of them in the UK? (laughs) Totally. Totally. Right. It's wild, like how often that happens. Hey, we're going to schedule a podcast. You reach out to someone. Yeah. You got to do it at a weird time in the day. Like, of course you do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know that's been a little bit difficult so far. So for those of you that don't know, Joseph and I uh, here in Minnesota, Nate in California time does not drive well with uh, anything in Europe, at least if we want to do it during their working day. So still sorting that out. Nate, get up at four and do a podcast with us. Uh, I did. <laughs> I, I know you the did. The first one was 5 a.m. And that was it. <laughs> Is there anything that as hosts of this podcast, we should be thinking about reaching out, getting different guests? What's on your minds when it comes to improving the podcast? Well, as I've been listening to them, I think the early ones, it didn't build a concise fun set of facts to include in the intro. And I've been real purposeful on the later ones to do that. It feels so much better to have a few things to be thinking about, even as I listen back on a conversation I had. So the pod landed this morning. I listened to it or it showed up in my podcast app and I was at the gym and I was listening to one of our podcasts. and. I didn't enjoy the intros early on. And this one came up and I was like, wait, what, how did that, I was, I was excited to listen. And so that research side to set up the intro has gotten a lot better. And I think that's something to keep doing. 64 million views on chess YouTube channel. What, what, (laughs) why? 
right? That starts to get interesting. So that's one thing I think we've done well. I think we tripped into wanting a template or there's a set of questions or an approach that we're, we're going to go about and that that's helped structure some of these later ones as well. So at least those two things on preparation and research have been real helpful. Something that I think you can take for granted. It's like, well, whatever, turn the mic on and let's go. That's how I approached these at the beginning. And I've seen how those concerted efforts can make the podcast a lot better. I think one thing I'm interested in, and and we'll put this plug in if anybody's listening and has recommendations for who we should talk to, nearly all of our episodes so far have been with game developers and game creators. And, you know, I think we want to talk to more people in and around the ecosystem. Still going to have a lot more game creators on. Love having those conversations, but... Joseph put out there earlier would be great to talk to Jane McConical. I think there's so many other people in and around this industry that it'd just be really cool to learn more about what's going on in the ecosystem. Yeah, it could be ad networks. It could be academics, right? The research side of this would be fascinating. Teachers, teachers using games in math, language, science. There's many, many disciplines where games make impact. And I'm really excited to chase those topics together. So if you're listening and you find you want us to talk to somebody, (laughs) we'd love to. Let's do it. We literally created a task yesterday for our researcher to go and start scouring. So yeah, what came to mind for me was directors, screenwriters, YouTubers, anything game related, I think would be absolutely fascinating. Chat with. You're right, Joseph. Like the preparation, just we have a researcher who basically goes out and gathers as much information about a guest as possible ahead of time. And then we kind of go through and curate and and do our preparation work that way. But it's been so helpful once we've started to kind of like create a process for that because it takes like an hour at least, you know, to just sift through some of that information and start to think about what questions to ask. More. And the pods get better the more I can dig in to whatever notes, right? And that's like the notes would drop the day of and it's like, whoa, if we get a week to think about leading into it, then the pod gets better. Because you just mental time to connect ideas makes it so much better. You know, when you're talking streamers, boy, my son wants to watch a streamer do what the streamer does so that they can emulate, right? So that he can emulate. So you might think about like folks at YouTube to talk to, folks at, right, any of the streaming orgs. And we don't need to name the foundation that reached out to us to do research, but we'd love to take this. If we could take the podcast and find ways to connect people to people and to fund specific research, boy, that would be Fantastic. That would be worth doing the research for on ourselves to set up the pod to be exciting, but then also to help research get done on games and how they impact our lives. Man, I'm here for it. Just had a lot of joy come from the opportunity to be curious and to listen to experts. Okie dokie. A quick break. Are you a fan of games that challenge your mind and sharpen your skills? Dive into the world of Hey Good Game, where brainy fun meets creativity. Like Sudoku, but need a bigger challenge? Check out Kokoro Conquest. 
It's a fun test of logic and math skills. Then get ready for Crosswordle. It's a matchup of Crossword and Wordle, a new take on word puzzles that will keep you guessing and engaged. You'll find those games and others at hey.gg. And now back to the show. How about yourself, Nate? Something for us to... This is like the stop doing, start doing, don't do conversations I used to have with yeah, for those of you that don't know, while you're thinking about that, Nate, for those of you that don't know behind the scenes, like Nate is really the one that's kind of the ringleader that's helping us make sure the podcast gets out there professionally and that it's edited well and he's working with all of our people behind the scenes. And I think Joseph and I felt a little bit of pressure early that, you know, we really need to take this podcast seriously. So Nate, like, here's your opportunity. What can we be doing better? You look pissed right now. Well, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's like the light in my camera is awesome and my audio must rock. It was terrible in the first couple episodes, but it's good now. We are definitely getting it together as a as a team. And I, but I think that's kind of like one of those things you just have to jump into the fire, right? And just get the right equipment, get the stuff, take it seriously. Like you all have good taste, you know? And when you see or hear bad audio or bad video, like you're like, okay, I got to do something about this. And it's the easiest way is just to say, set up what you have, and I promise you it's not good enough. So you're going to quickly figure <laughs> out how to improve that. Well, somebody only ran me left, left channel on the intro today, and I noticed. So, <laughs> but it's been fun. Yeah, the quality, even of the intros, the music, the uh, ad reads delivers well and when the little orange box shows up in my podcast app i'm excited to go listen right it's like oh well we're excited to go listen because we've set a precedent for quality so you're absolutely right Nate. also here's your chance to tell us what we can improve oh i'm not going to pick on you two i think i think we are all sort of learning this together and trying to figure out like what are the best best ways to uncover the most interesting stories i think in general our confidence is going up in the questions that we're asking. I think that we were a little bit shy to ask in the beginning. I think those direct questions like Aaron jumping in and talking about monetization, even if it's a third question, is uh, daring and I like it. <laughs> you know, it's a, like a little uncomfortable, but it's, yeah, let's dig in. This is what people want to hear, right? Yeah. So I, I think we're just going to get continuously better. From a production standpoint, I feel like we've nailed it. You know, like we're... I only want to do it more. I think we're doing it not enough is really my big my biggest uh, concern at the moment. Is it too soon to tell people, Nate, that we've been dropping audio podcasts so far, but there might be might be some video in our future? Might be some video. I spent far too much time <laughs> giving feedback on intro animations <laughs> for what will soon be our YouTube channel. But I'm delighted with how it turned out. So we may or may not, may or may not, have uh, recorded all of our podcasts so far in video and may or may not release some of those. Have released zero <laughs> in video. TBD, TBD. <laughs> TBD. I'm not putting a date on this, but uh, yeah, it's coming together. One of the first things we discussed when we were creating Hey Good Game was we build and buy games, right? We thought maybe we would be building more than we would be buying. We 
acquired four games early on in our in the business. And our thesis is that maybe that's a quicker way to grow for us. But I'm kind of curious, how do you feel it's going so far? Well, to give you a little bit of behind the scenes, uh, when we all sat around a table and decided, is this a thing we want to do together? You know, we put out some projections of the business we want to build over the next few years and kind of modeled out like, oh, maybe we'll do one acquisition in the first year and two acquisitions in the next year and and like pick up the pace from there. And building, I think, one that first year and then two the second year, something like that, right? Wasn't it one-to-one we had modeled out? That's right. That was informed by your long history of looking to buy games from people. Yeah. Right? It was like, well, maybe we could get one because so far I got none. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Like, if we tried, we could get one. And I remember making that decision and then getting a text from you in pretty short order. You're like, yo, yeah, it's happening. <laughs> like, what, what's happening? You're like, we didn't get one. Yeah. We got a handful. I got to say, like, from the first conversation to the time of the first close, was thrilled how moved that, how fast that moved. I think all indications are we're going to still be pacing ahead. We're just about to embark on officially our second year at this year. I think we might have another couple acquisitions in the hopper that we're, we're hoping to uh, close on and announce soon. And uh, on the one hand, it, it felt a little bit slow there for a while, but these things take time. And I'm excited to just keep having these conversations with game developers and see where this goes. But I think there's a lot of quality games out there and it's going faster than anticipated. And as much as I always want to go faster, it's going faster than anticipated. One thing that's changed for me throughout this is I thought we would be more product oriented, building you know much more quickly. But through all of these conversations, it feels like we, I think, are positioned great to be stewards of a lot of these games. And that has kind of fulfilled me in a different way that I didn't really expect. And even through acquisition, we can put a lot more energy and resources into some of these games that have not had that due to many different types of situations. So that's what's kind of really intriguing to me is how it's sort of evolved. Um, Not that we won't build, but... I'm excited to chat with more game creators and and see what else is out there. Yeah, the backlog for us on tasks, right, would be the backlog that maybe 85, 90% of people would share for their game. And it's just, it's hard to get good at something you try once or twice a year. And so we're finding this opportunity to get good at that thing and then be able to apply that value to a bunch of different games. And that's that notion of stewardship. It's fun to find a new game, to play the new game, to connect with the the maker, to understand the background of the game, and then understand the expression right of it, and then to hear their hopes and dreams. Like, I wish it was this. These things are happening in my life. I want this to live on, but it's not for me to do. And sometimes it's not for us to do it either, but sometimes it is. And that's super exciting, especially when... We see every day the addition of our feedback on some of these games, right? The stuff that we had didn't have feedback on it. And every day we're seeing the feedback that comes from all of the games and the 
joy that people have in Nate, you say great in the intro of the pod. It's the we play these in the cracks of our day. Absolutely we do. And it's so much fun. Recently having been in Japan and on the trains, I was scanning phones. Like what are we doing? Lots of YouTube, but oh boy, there were tons of fun games being played by my my co-riders on the train. And those are cracks. Those are cracks in the day, whether it's between a boardroom or a meeting or the three minutes you have slammed between Zooms or wherever it is, laying on the couch after dinner, just trying to give your brain a break. And if Hey GG continues in this path, we get that opportunity to do it for even more folks and people. And that's what drives this notion of, can we get closer to research? Can we understand more about what makes a good game good for people. And here I'm thinking about like Fortnite alone versus Fortnite with friends, like a totally different experience and impact in the research on the players. What can we do to make games that are kind of like, whatever, it's a game, be positive and beneficial as designers and stewards of those games. And I love our backlog and I look forward to the opportunity to apply it to more game players, gameplay. All right. So coming up to the end here, just real quick, what games are you playing the most right now? Well, Duolingo, every single day, coming <laughs> up on a year. I get my stars. It does not do well with transatlantic or trans-Pacific flights. It lands and it thinks you're not in the same day. And then I always lose. I have to use my streak trees because yep. it just doesn't understand the time on the phone. Like If they can fix that, that'd be great. It's got to be in the backlog form somewhere. And then I candy crush with the best of them. Wow. Oh man, Nate, like yeah. you're like one minute, one minute chess, rapid, rapid. I wish I was that cognitively advanced. I started playing Candy Crush when I was on airplanes all the time for work. I think, I don't know what, what level are you on? For what? Candy Crush. I don't play Candy Crush. Oh, that's too bad because I'm on level 2,113. <laughs> <laughs> i have to ask my wife. She might be in competition <laughs> so with that. Fun. I love me some Candy Crush. So thanks for that. How about you? I'll say that I've been playing Sudoku bonkers lately. You know, it it leaves me to want to improve our Sudoku game quite a bit because uh, it's needs some updates, uh, needs some love. But uh, yeah, I've been really just kind of fanboying over Sudoku. And we have a bunch of articles that we've written on the game. So I've been kind of going back and researching some of the techniques to to do like the X-Swing and Y-Wing and all that stuff. But yeah, that's what I've been playing. Right on. So first off, I just got to say, Joseph, so here's a pro tip on Duolingo and the travel. So a couple of weeks ago, I, I traveled to Boston and I landed and I was like, great, it's 1130 back home. I'm still going to get in my daily Duolingo. But it was 1230 there. So you can change your clock so that it's not automatic. You can actually set it back to what it was. And it'll let you do it, even if you already opened the app. And here's the, don't tell the app creators this. It actually awarded me an extra streak freeze in the process due to a bug because it's like it thought I came back. And so there's your little tip on the Duolingo. That's only an hour too, right? Yeah, that was only an hour off. But Well, what I thought I was going to do is I was going to load up and then land but I just load it up all on the same day. <laughs> like, right. no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I had this monster day and then nothing. <laughs> Super frustrating. I get it. 
the games I'm playing right now. So there's this, uh, I think it's like 20.frenchguys.net, I remember, is the uh, web address of it. But it the, the game is just called 20. I've got the mobile app version of it. I'm a little bit too addicted to it. But I, I hate to say this. I like that particular implementation. There aren't a lot of ads for a mobile app, and it's pretty nice, but a little addicting. Been playing more of the Ken Ken mobile app, so I've been doing that. Thanks, Bob, for bringing that to the U.S. And then uh, trying to get into connections, but boy, is that hard. It's super hard. Mm, I've got Ken Ken in paper that I've been ripping through. It's been really fun. Like you, got a, you, you bought a book? Oh, for sure, yeah. I've also, there's some debate among us about the PDFs of these games and whether we, they should be made and printed and, you know, but I have printed Ken Ken games for sure. I don't know what the debate is. <laughs> My name is Joseph and I've printed Ken Ken games. <laughs> were they Ken Kens or were they Inkies? Oh, I, uh, they were Ken Kens, but I know where to go. for the Okay. Well, that's it, boys. We'll see you next time. 